I'm a tuna sandwich with no crests. And I'm Vin Diesel's shark buddy. And welcome to Planet of the Meerkats. Before we start, I have a question. Are you a tuna sandwich from the the little restaurant hole in the wall place that is run in Fast and the Furious? Or are you I am indeed. I, <laughs> I am in fact a, a tuna sandwich that Paul Walker is about to eat. Nice. What the hell are we talking about today, Dave? If you hadn't guessed, we're, we're talking about the movie Fast and the Furious. The, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I got to put the the on because without the the, it's a different movie. Yeah. The Fast and the Furious. Yep. <laughs> As we've discussed before, the naming conventions in this series are ridiculous and inconsistent. So you have to be super specific. I kept mistyping the title as The Fats and the Furious, which I think <laughs> they should do one of the movies called that. And they just cast a bunch of overweight actors. Just like like Norbit, just like all the actors in fat suits. <laughs> so well, this is the original one we're talking about today from, I believe, 2001. Yeah, pre-9-11. Which seems like a whole other world. I'm gonna crack open a beer here. What? Yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, an Abaddon beer by Modern Times. Nice. Abaddon, of course, being the guardian of the abyss mm-hmm. in the Bible, the angel who's the guardian of the abyss, nice. also known as Apollyon. Cheers, my friend. Yeah. So before we get started, I uh, two nights ago on HBO Max, I watched the documentary on Woodstock '99. Oh, nice. <laughs> Which you should totally because it 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 is like philosophically in line with this movie. I think you should watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and for those not familiar with Woodstock '99, it was in fact a kind of a reboot of the famous Woodstock Festival. It was the third one because they actually did one in '94 as well. But the organizers thought it was gonna would be a great idea to throw Woodstock '99 instead of in a field. They threw it on a tarmac at like a decommissioned army base. They're like, ah, uh, bud, we don't want mud <laughs> in the middle of July in upstate New York. <laughs> and then they basically like stocked the bill with new metal acts. So like you got <laughs> heat, no water, anger, a lot of white men, just saying those could all be names of new metal bands from the nineties, by the way, <laughs> white men. <laughs> Oh, um, I think my takeaway from it was that, like, watching all the new metal bands, is that Corn uh, was actually really good. Like, mm-hmm. I I still could like get super. I could be like, yeah, I could go to a Corn concert now. And like, I think that they were the cream of the crop of of those bands. Uh, Limp Biscuit, <laughs> way worse than we ever realized at the time. If you compare it like corn to biscuit, th- those two bands don't even sound anything alike. And Fred Durst yeah. is just, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure he's, they actually, I, I saw they actually played Lollapalooza this year and Fred Durst came out in this crazy wig. Um, oh, he wasn't wearing a backwards which, hat? <laughs> no, he's a, fil- he's a serious a filmmaker. <laughs> he's a serious filmmaker now, Dave. <laughs> oh, Fred Durst. Oh, man. Anyway. Yeah, I remember, I can't remember the name of their first album, but I remember listening to that a lot back in high school and immediately post high school. 
So there's actually a really good podcast that I, I I've told you about this series before. It's it's produced by the Ringer, which is a website about like mm-hmm. culture and sports. But there's a podcast that's all about. I think it's the sixty. I think it's sixty songs that define the nineties. Oh, is Nookie, Nookie on there? It's <laughs> they just did an episode on Nookie. Nice. And <laughs> yeah, you you should listen to it. I think <laughs> I think you would enjoy it. <laughs> the first album was was three dollar bill, y'all. Yeah, that was the first Limp Bizkit album. Yeah, and then and then the one that became the sort of breakout, I think, was that that had Nookie on it was Significant Other. So, tell me about your initial impressions of The Fast and The Furious. My thoughts kept going to back to the title of the movie: mm-hmm. Are they fast and are they furious? Mm-hmm. I think they're fast. There's a lot of mm-hmm. fast car chases, and when they don't resort to CG. They're pretty good. Like the the practical effect car chase, practical mm-hmm. effects car chases are pretty good. There's a a couple of scenes where they like take you on a tour through the engine or whatever, yeah. and it looks really really bad. But the actual car chases were enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not sense much fury. I don't think they were very furious. They didn't really have much to be furious about. So that would be then kind of a criticism of uh, of the Dom Toretto character, right? Because his whole thing is about his his fury right he is the one he is the furious he has this trauma that drives him in the plot and and what i'm hearing from you is you don't entirely buy it i almost think that trauma came too late in the movie for to really have any resonance for me in the plot i feel Mm -hmm. like it should have been like the whole thing with his dad should have been at the beginning of the movie or closer to the beginning and maybe dramatized Mm -hmm. like let's start with young dom watching this happen yeah exactly it it takes a little bit of the the potential impact of it out. Up until then, um, he's just a, a grumpy restaurateur who raises on the weekends. Yeah. So a few things. I I'm digging that this movie starts in a port, um, <laughs> which has no further bearing on the plot other than <laughs> strong The Wire season two vibes. Which at the time when I first saw The Wire, I was like, ah, oh, this see, I don't know about this season. Like, because yeah. in the arc, you go from season one, which is just like it builds up this whole world. And then all of a sudden you're in the port and it's like, where did we go? But when you watch the whole series, actually it's a very strong season. But I digress. Remember, just as a a continuing on your wire thing, remember Ziggy and his huge dick? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Ziggy is still the worst character from that show. Like like nothing redeems Ziggy. Like this season is really good, but Ziggy is just I I was glad that he did not uh, come back later in the show. I don't think he (laughs) died. Does he die? I don't think he dies. It's been a while since I don't I've remember. Does he die? I don't. Not many of the Doesn't characters. Doesn't he go? I think he goes to prison, season. right? Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, if you, <laughs> listeners, if you haven't watched The Wire, watch The Wire. It's very good. So <laughs> we'll get to the tiny TVs in the truck, but it, it, this opening, I'm a big fan of the uh, the big swerving truck. Yeah. Uh, they leave the port, and all of a sudden, it's nighttime, and this truck is driving seemingly through an industrial wasteland, and all of a sudden. The truck is getting hijacked and it's swerving all over the place. And I, I'm I'm a sucker for those scenes because I feel like Hollywood loves a swerving truck, uh, especially when they incapacitate the driver and someone has to take the wheel. And yet the truck <laughs> never leaves the roadway. Yeah. Like to me, that's incredible, and that's maybe the most unbelievable unbelievable part of this whole movie. Um, <laughs> I mean, it seems like a lot of trouble to go through for some low end consumer electronics. Yeah, so they're stealing like a truckload of of tiny TVs with built-in VHS players. Like <laughs> even in 2001, like 
Didn't we have DVD players? Already? And like HD TVs, which, which leads to one of my questions, right? So one of the central pieces of the movie is Brian and Dom, they break into a garage run by Tran, who's sort of their, their, their nemesis. Mm-hmm. And he has in the garage, it's full of a bunch of TVs and the, you know, consumer electronics. So they do a raid and it turns out that Tran legally bought all these. Like, is he a wholesaler? Why did he <laughs> legally buy hundreds of TVs and VCRs and shit? <laughs> maybe he has, maybe he has a, a Best Buy franchise. I mean, he like owns a hotel. He's it, about to outfit all the the rooms. I guess to be like uh, historically accurate at that time, it probably would have been a Circuit City. Circuit City, yeah. Uh, another question I I was left with from the intro is whether future Fast and Furious movies will show the Toretto family market in Delhi, and whether that plays a role because the family owns a deli that apparently makes shitty tuna fish sandwiches that everyone knows they're terrible. What kind of business is that? <laughs> and Dom just sits in the back, like basically telling customers not to come back. Like these people do not seem like business geniuses. See, I'm willing to bet that. Well, first of all, if he was a business genius, he could have blown that up into a franchise. Could have been like mm-hmm. Dom's, Dom Sammy's and mm-hmm. made more money than he makes by uh, racing and whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to bet that it's just abandoned. It becomes yet another abandoned business in Los Angeles. The Los Angeles hellscape. Well, we already know that in season or in season two, <laughs> in the second film, they go to Miami. And then in the third film, they go to Tokyo, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure the third film stars an entirely different cast of characters. It's not even like Brian O'Connor and Vin Diesel. I mean, the second mm-hmm. film loses Vin Diesel, but they pick up Tay Diggs and Ludacris, who I thought were in this movie. I was kind of disappointed. Not to no, see we, get, we only get job rule. <laughs> who's a, a poor substitute for ludicrous let's be honest yeah yeah sorry john <laughs> Act, acting titan he is not i love that to this day dave Chappelle like still rags on job rule like <laughs> he's such a like tertiary character from the 90s and yet like for some reason dave Chappelle like can't not rag on him so, and how much did nas pay for product placement in this movie See, not to be confused with hip hop superstar Nas or Art Spiegelman's Maz. <laughs> Good point, Dave. Good point. I now I, I always thought that... Nas was like a generic name for like nitrous oxide, but no, apparently it's a brand name. And now they have the the Nas energy drink. Do they? Or I'm sure they've had it for like decades, but yes, they have one. So I mean, in this movie, it's just like commonplace to have like Nas in your car. Even amongst racers, I don't think that would be common. I mean, it's kind of cheating, right? At a certain point, you can make a, a brick move fast if you hook Nas up to it. That's Yeah, that was my thought, too, is like, shouldn't there be some some guidelines for what you can have in your car to make it? If some racers have Nas and some don't, like, that hardly seems fair. But then again, would the movie be the same if there was a governing body? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of implied that, like, Dom is the governing body, right? Like, he's the guy that... He's like the central force of gravity that like moves and controls this whole community. So like, wouldn't Dom set the rules? He he is the fastest and most furious. He is. What I don't understand about this, right? In the first race, Brian Brian shoots off his load twice, right? He's not jerking off, Neil. <laughs> he blows his load so hard that his like car breaks. It like 
like the bottom of the, the floor falls out, the engine manifold explodes. And you know from the previous scene that he bought like the biggest NOS container available, right? Mm -hmm. Like he's not yeah. messing around. <laughs> like, like these are big loads. <laughs> and yet, and he takes the lead, right? Yeah. And it's like this guy, look, he's looking good. He might win this thing. And yet, Dom has not blown any loads at this point and is only marginally behind. And yet the other racers are like out of it completely. Yeah. And then at the end, Dom shoots off his NOS and he like wins easily. Is Dom's car that much better that he's able to just like handily win the race without NOS? Well, and not only is it better, it's not even like his best car, right? He keeps the best car mothballed in a shed. So I was going to get to this later, but honestly, traffic in LA is terrible. And I found mm -hmm. myself really resenting these street racing assholes blocking off huge swaths of road for their games. Like, mm -hmm. and it hurt. It physically hurt me when they were like, when the deliv pizza delivery driver was trying to get past and they're like, <laughs> you're going to have to find another way. I'm like, man, this guy's trying to do his job. Look, I'm going to say this about the pizza delivery guy though, is that when you're out on a run like that, I know that the, the management wants you to complete the run as quickly as possible, but that, to the driver just means more time in the car, blasting Limp Biscuit, having a good time. So, hey, it's all good. Yeah. So, we had, I mean, going to the music of the movie, we had Rollin' by Limp Biscuit, which yeah. he was going to be in that, also featuring DMX. They had area codes by Ludacris. Yeah. Is that foreshadowing? Mm -hmm. I wonder for when he comes in to be too fast, too furious. So, what is your Maslow analysis of this? So, in grad school, we learned about this thing called Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which, if mm -hmm. you imagine a pyramid, each level of the pyramid going from the bottom to the top represents a different level of where you're where where you're at, like your level of needs that are being met. So, at the mm -hmm. bottom, there's the physiological needs, which mm -hmm. is the most basic, right? If you're alive, then uh, sort of. So this this would be the bottom where all you're getting is like enough to eat, breathe, maybe some sex, a place to poop. Yeah. Uh, and then above that safety. So you have security, uh, maybe a good job. Above that is love and belonging, friendship, family, uh, sexual intimacy. So not just sex, but actual relationships. And then it goes up to esteem. So self-esteem, your confidence achievement, respect of others. And then the, at the top is self-actualization, which is, and at each level, you don't necessarily realize you'd need this. Like you might think if you're at the physiological, if you just had safety, your life would be fine. But then as soon as you get up to safety, you start to realize there's something above that and there's more that you could want. And I was reading a book that was talking about this and I started relating it to Fast and the Furious. And I was really thinking like, you know, where do these characters fit here? And, you know, most of the characters are stuck in the love belonging tier. I mean, this whole series is a meditation on family. But Edwin, played by Ja Rule, I saw him as still being in the lowest tier. So he, this was illustrated when he raced in order to get sex from the fly honey. And when he lost, she denied him the sex. I, I just want to point out, she didn't yeah. just promise him sex. She promised, she promised him sex him, regardless, right? She, pro yeah, she promised sex regardless. And it was a menage a trois. Ah, she she brought a she brought she without even consent from this other woman. She was like, you can have her, too, which brings up a whole host of other problems. But <laughs> I just want to point out that, like, there was a menage on the table. Well, and to be honest, like draw rule, he's kind of sketchy looking <laughs> Hey, to each to each his own. Dave, to each his own. own. Yeah, I guess if he's fast, he looks better. So the character <laughs> of Jesse, I was not buying. 
they kept passing him off like he was this major part of the crew and like he was this big deal but honestly the actor had no charisma and the movie would have been better off without him he's played by the actor chad Lindbergh, and i saw him is trying to reach the esteem level by racing but he bet his car and in losing he plummeted back down to the safety level and then he died Letty, played by Michelle Rodriguez, was striving to get to the esteem tier. So she was a little bit higher. She had the uh, friendship, family, intimacy, um, but she was striving to get that self-esteem. And then Brian O'Connor, played by Paul Walker, he was striving to get to the esteem tier as well through racing. He was a really confused police officer, and he probably should be kicked off the force. And I think Dom was the closest to self-actualizing, but... He just seemed really bored. Like, he didn't quite know how to self-actualize. In the end, he sacrificed it all in Blue Town. Hopefully, in the future movies, he gets closer to reaching that level. Well, he's definitely going to... Doesn't he go to space? That's what I hear in the news movie. There's some space, There's space, or at least fake space. It's the same level of Jeff Bezos, upper atmosphere space. We've had Elon Musk launch a car into space. So let's let's put it all together. Team up and put the Fast and the Furious crew... <laughs> in cars and then launch them into the upper atmosphere and then let them come down and film it and then build a plot around this. Put some NOS on a <laughs> Tesla, baby. <laughs> See how... <laughs> you know what? I, I drove a, uh, uh, not a Tesla, but a, a electric Hyundai. And I have to say, that thing has some pickup. You know, I have a, a hybrid Forerunner. Not a Forerunner, a hybrid Highlander. And... It does. It 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 it, it, gets, it has a lot of torque. It gets up there when you need it to. Should um, we street race? We totally should. Your Highlander versus my CRV. <laughs> we'll we'll do it the responsible way. We'll shut off a huge swath of road in Los Angeles. Line the car with our friends. I like that. There's a guy on the scanners, and he's like, "There's a one eight seven. The cops are going to be tied up." As if it takes there's like three all- cops in Los Angeles. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> guys, there's more than three. Like, they're... <laughs> all right, let, we got it. We have a whole fun fact section here that, that you put together. Uh, these so, are pretty so, good. So, hit me. Neither Michelle Rodriguez nor Jordana Brewster had driver's licenses when they were cast, mm-hmm. which I don't know that Jordana Brewster does much driving in the movie, but Michelle Rodriguez actually races. Her character, Letty, races. So I thought that was interesting. And Vin and Michelle were dating off screen. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Intrigue. And then uh, before Fast and the Furious, before uh, Pitch Black, Vin Diesel (laughs) made his debut (laughs) shilling for some toys called Shark Buddies (laughs) at a toy fair. And it is, we'll we'll put the video up. It's amazing because he Mm -hmm. is so into the role. He's just like, he's really enthusiastic about these sharks and he's like playing with them in front of the camera and you just, you feel his excitement. It's awesome. And he's got like, he's wearing this leather vest with no shirt underneath and you can just see like his muscles rippling as he's playing with these sharks. And, and he actually has hair at the time, which is amazing. Cause dude, he's always been charismatic. I just have to say, I enjoyed his performance. I enjoyed mm-hmm. this film mm-hmm. and I, I consider myself a Vin Diesel fan. So I I liked his Shark Buddies video, and I I think it's one of the best work he's done. <laughs> we're not we're not being we're not being ironic or anything. I think we're both actually fans of Vin Diesel. Like he was very entertaining in this movie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm 100 percent authentic. 
so so Mark Wahlberg, Christian Bale, and Eminem were all considered for Brian O'Connor. And I gotta say, I was not a huge Paul Walker fan of this movie. I thought really? he was kind of just bland. And I think maybe that's something that happens with a lot of protagonists because they want you to kind of just identify mm-hmm. with them and they're a bit of a blank slate. But I didn't, I, he didn't do much for me. And, uh, you know, RIP Paul Walker, hopefully he gets better uh, in the next movie and, and beyond. But I, I honestly think Mark, Mark Wahlberg would have been bad casting. Christian Bale would have been great, but they would have never got him on the hook for nine movies. Mm-hmm. And Eminem would have been terrible. So maybe he was the best out of the bunch. He is the foil for the rest of the cast. You kind of need to have those two contradicting each other, like in juxtaposition. My feeling of it is like he is, he is only there to serve as as a just to shine a light on them. So he actually did his role really well in that respect. So the first street race, which was a quarter mm-hmm. mile, took two minutes of screen time. And I'd like to point out that I can run a quarter mile in two minutes, and I don't run fast. <laughs> And the way that they do it, it's like it's got all the it's got all these effects on it as if it's yeah. it's bending time and space. Yeah. It just it seems a little over the top. So uh Natalie Portman, Sarah Michelle Geller, Kirsten Dunst, Bijou Phillips, and Jessica Beale all auditioned for the role of Mia. And the role was written for Eliza Dushku, but it ended up That's going weird. to Jordana Brewster. Which... Uh, Eliza Dushku seems like such a uh relic of that time. Yeah. Like she was, she was definitely like a hot at- actress at that time. But all of the other ones that you just mentioned there, like had had or have like much longer careers. Yeah, I, I got to say that role I think was not a very good role. Um, no, not at all. There was a lot to it. It was it basically just existed to be a, a love interest for the Brian O'Connor role, and Cons- uh, consistent with roles for women of that time, the women in this are treated as objects in general. Even Letty, to some yeah. extent. It's not really given much agency. Mm-mm. No, this movie would not pass the Betkel te- Bet- yeah. Betkel test. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I'm hoping that when Mia comes back later in the series, she has more to do. Because mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed Jordana Brewster. I thought she was she was okay. Um, mm-hmm. But the role was bad. Uh, the original, an alternate title for the movie they were considering was Race Wars, which would have given mm-hmm. the movie a whole different spin. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought they were. It was initially called Redline, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it, it was based on a book too. Was I don't it? remember what the book was called. Yeah. Now, can you imagine reading the book? This is based on. It's like seventeen well, pages. It may have been. Was it a book or was it a investigative piece? It, it was. It was not fiction. It was a mm. nonfiction piece. So interesting. And it was. It was about. It was about racing in New York. It, interestingly, the bit, of, the part at the beginning that you noted uh, at the mm-hmm. port. Was filmed yeah. in New York. Was it really? Yeah. Dom's Charger is the only racing car in the movie made in the U.S. All the rest mm-hmm. were foreign cars. Dom's age was supposed to be 24, and he did not come off as 24. Well, Vin Diesel's always looked like he's about 35. Yeah, I th- <laughs> I honestly thought he was Jordana Brewster's, Mia's dad for the first yeah. half of the movie. <laughs> and then Colin Farrell was considered for the role of Dom, which I think would have been terrible casting. Colin Farrell, I don't know. I mean, he's. I, I can't he's, get behind him in any role. He he's done some stuff I've liked uh, more in recent times, mm-hmm. but he, uh, yeah, he he would have been all wrong. And the pizza delivery guy was played by the director Rob Cohen. 
Final thoughts on this movie. I th- honestly thought Ludacris and Tay Diggs were going to make an appearance. Yeah. Um, so I have to wait till part two. <laughs> and uh, no, is the, tra- is the trade-off going to be worth it though? Because you lose Vin, but you get the other two. So I-, I really think later on in the series, when you get all of it, is when it's really going to hit for you. Yeah. But so my my parting question is, how is Paul Walker still a cop at the end? He was not a good cop, and also. I'll come back to what I asked before. Was this movie fast enough? And was it furious enough? I think this is the problem that they try to solve later in the series. Like clearly they've they've made a determination by movie four or five or whatever that mm-hmm. that no, it hasn't been fast or furious enough and they're going to make it more so. I, what I'm fascinated by is like, if you take this movie as like a standalone mm-hmm. at the time and place that it was made and you don't... <laughs> Don't even think about the title. Like, mm-hmm. like what is like if the movie were if if none of the sequels ever got made, what yeah. would you think about this movie? I probably would not have given it a second thought. It's kind of a relic of its time, mm-hmm. and it's enjoyable, but there's not much else there. I think it's just fascinating to ask why did this need nine sequels? Yeah, I mean, it's I think that's a valid question, and maybe the answer the question will be answered in the sequels. Yeah, we will uh, find out. I, I mean, I know why it got nine sequels. It's because it. Makes a crap load of money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it turns out that the American people, what they really want is they want to see cars go boom. That's it. Honestly, I think if we're going to continue doing a watch through of Fast and the Furious, we should make a uh, a visit to Universal Studios to ride the tram ride, which goes through a, a huge Fast and the Furious section, <laughs> including a bikini party starring Tay Diggs. I feel like you can't. You can't have a bikini party in 2021. You just can't. Even Can if Tay, even if Tay Diggs throws it, <laughs> Tay Diggs has to be like 50 now, doesn't he? Like, come on, Tay. You got kids. Uh, Are you really going to be at the bikini party? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, to go back to the um, to the Woodstock '99 documentary, half the movie is devoted to objectification of women and. The, it ties it into the kind of like girls gone wild culture, which was like right around that time. And it aligns with this perfectly. Like, you know, we, I, I don't know. It feels like we bottomed out at the turn of the century in terms of how we treated women in the culture and in film. And, yeah. uh, and I'm hope, but what I am hoping for is that in this movie, in this franchise, as it goes forward, <laughs> that we see an evolution of that towards some level of, improvement some some level of the the character the female characters be being given more agency more uh opportunities to have a more three-dimensional personality and role maybe i'm naive for thinking that will happen in this film franchise well and you know this was the time when you know you'd be watching late night tv and every other commercial you'd hear the steel, steel drum start up and it'd be some like commercial for to subscribe to girls gone wild and uh <laughs> Be like, I just want to watch my Law and Order, man. The steel drums. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember the they had steel drums. That's amazing that you remember that. They all started incredible. with steel drums, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, on that note, Dave, I just think we should we should both go tonight and listen to some Limp Biscuit. Oh, I thought you were gonna say steel drums. <laughs> <laughs> Let's both go watch some Girls Gone Wild. Uh, <laughs> it's just one of those days. <laughs> All right, so uh, I don't know. I have no idea what we're doing next week. Maybe we'll watch Fast and the 
faster and the furious too, too, maybe too fast too furious too fast too furious maybe not maybe we'll watch the wire i don't know but i think we should either slowly way, work our way through these movies maybe we'll do a, another episode between this and when we watch too fast too furious i don't know we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see the listeners will need to wait and find out what did the the maga people say fuck around and find out just fuck <laughs> around and find out people <laughs> All right, man. Well, I have been a tuna sandwich with no crests. And I'm Vin Diesel Shark, buddy. And thank you for joining us on the planet of the meerkats. Farewell. The meerkats are David Garrison and Neil Fries. Our theme song is by the one and only Tawny Frogmouth. You can subscribe to Planet of the Meerkats wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find links to all of our social accounts at planetofthemeerkats.com. We're trying to send a little old-fashioned positivity into your ears, so your support means a lot to us. Thanks for listening.